Well, we're glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I think God's got a great word for us this morning. I'm excited about it. Um, he's, been, he's been showing us some things. Last week we talked about now is our time. Amen? Now is our time. Meaning stop waiting, start doing, right? God's got something for us. And the time, the window of time is getting shorter and shorter until Jesus comes back. And we don't want to look back with regret. We want to just press on and press on and press on. So we're going to see a few scriptures today uh, that talks about what our part is as the doers, doers of the word. Amen? So um, you guys ready? You ready? Okay. Uh, turn with me to First Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll start there. God is good. Caden came to me um, after work this week um, for me when I got home from work. And I, uh, I work in construction as well. So um, I was coming home from doing some work, and she comes, she comes bounding up to me, and she says, I did something today, and I'm thinking, oh boy, what, are we confessing or are we proud? And, uh, and so... Um, I, she said, guess what it was, you know, and I always have wild guesses, you know, like you did cartwheels in the mud outside or, you know, you found a frog and she's like, no, none of those things. And, uh, she said, I helped Dagny, her little sister, clean her room. And I was like, you did? Why? And she was like, cause she needed help and I just wanted to help her. And I was like, that is so awesome. Like I didn't have to make her do that. My first question was, did mama make you do that? <laughs> and she's like, no, I just did it on my own. And so we were I was just kind of, you know, happy, proud dad. Like these things that we tell them, our kids, right? Look around, see if there's a need, and don't wait for somebody else to do it. Just, just handle it, right? Because when you're an adult, nobody else, like, in the house, right? I mean, you got to wait for your kids to get old enough to pick that stuff up, <laughs> right? So we're training them to do this so that they can be, like, clean adults, right? Keep things picked up. And so I was just, I was just pleased with that, and it's just... It's fun to think that, you know, God wants us to be not just hearers, right? That we know to do good, but then to actually do the thing we know to do, right? And without being necessarily prompted or asked, just see it and meet a need, amen? And it's just, it makes daddy happy, right? So in 1 Timothy um, chapter 1, I want to start in verse 3. You okay with a little bit of scripture today? Okay, because I have a bunch, more than we can get through. So here we go. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3 says, and I urged you, when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. In the, in the New American Standard, it says this, instruct men, certain men, not to teach strange doctrines, nor pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. And the Young Living says, don't give heed to fables and endless genealogies that cause questions rather than the building up of God that is in faith. Causes questions. How does that work? Well, I was talking uh, to some Bible school students. They were telling their story about when they were in first year Bible school. And they had a, another couple over um, that was also first year Bible school. And they had dinner. And so sitting around, you know, you're just visiting and you're fresh into Bible school. And so the, the word is like alive in you and you're trying to figure things out. And so one of them brings up a scripture that's just kind of one of those passages where you just kind of go, hmm. <laughs> you ever read one of those? I'm the only one? Seriously? Okay, let, yeah. So you read a passage and you're like, hmm, that's interesting. Like it doesn't, the answer to it doesn't just immediately slap you. Have you noticed? And so they bring up one of these passages, and they start talking about it. And, uh, 
and they discussed it for like an hour or two hours. It was just back and forth. And he, when they got to the end of it, their, their final summation of that scripture was that it was just a tough one, <laughs> right? Got nowhere. And so he goes to bed that night and, and he's thinking about that passage. And the Lord, says to me, he, uh, the Lord says to him and he says, would you like to understand that passage? Would you like to know what it means? And he was like, well, yeah, we just spent two hours of our life trying to figure out. And all the Lord told him was, well, you're farther from it now than you were before you started that conversation. <laughs> and he's like, well, how is that? And, and the Lord began to reveal to him. He said that you don't, you don't think about things and talk about things that you don't know, that you don't have, and that you can't do. Those are not the things that you discuss and talk about. If you want light in an area of your life, if you want to have illumination and revelation, stay with the revelation that God's given you because in that revelation will come more revelation, right? And so when you start talking about what you don't have and what you can't do, it just brings your focus on the can'ts. Anybody have that rule with their kids where the word can't is not allowed? Yeah, I mean, it just bugs me. That word bugs me because the can't is just like a give up without trying, right? Please pick up your room. I can't, it's too big. (laughs) Well, Yes, you can, right? The can't means I don't want to, right? Or I don't want to try. That just, it's one of those words. And God is not into the can'ts. Like if he gives us things to do, there shouldn't be an I can't. It should be a, okay, how can we? Let's, let's start looking for the solution. And I find that interesting because in Romans 1, it says revelation comes from faith to faith. That's from believing to believing. So we stay with the revelation God's given us, right? And, and, trust in what he's given us and in that revelation of whatever we're at whatever stage we're at in our walk with the lord he will begin to give us more revelation but when we get pulled outside of that and we start discussing the things that like seem hard to understand recognize that that's pushing you farther away from understanding that scripture than actually going toward it don't get bogged down in endless genealogies and disputes and doctrinal issues that just bring up more questions does that make sense and I th- in our society where we have a lot of smarts, right? I mean, we're the most educated society the world's seen because of our system. We've just, we've advanced, not just America. I'm talking worldwide. We just have more knowledge than they had 100 years ago, 200. Am I talking? Yeah. Do you understand? I mean, it's real easy to get heady. It's really easy. But I'm telling you, God wants us to keep the scripture simple. And if you need to know it, he will reveal it to you and you'll understand it. But stay with what you know. Stay in the groove that he's given you. And then he'll be he'll be able to give you more. Does that make sense? And that's why he was telling them, don't get caught up in endless genealogies and fables and myths. And I heard this and I heard that. Stay with what, what's true. Stay with the word. Stay with what God's leading you to do. Be diligent in it. And with that light will come more light, right? Because so, it's easy in this society to get bogged down. Because, you know, people are saying this and that. And what about the scriptures? And how did it get 2,000 years? And they change, you know what I mean? I mean, like, do we believe it? Do we believe the word? Absolutely. Go after it. Stay in the truth. Amen. And so it'll help us to continue to get more light and more revelation. Psalm 36 says, in your light, in the Lord's light, we see light. So stay in the light of what you know of God and you will get more light. Amen. Don't get bogged down in that stuff. So I wanted to, I wanted to reiterate that the Lord was, uh, was telling this guy that, um, and it came through, he ended up pastoring uh, for years and years and years, but he told him, don't focus on um, what you don't know, what you don't have, and what you can't do. Instead, think about what you do have, because when you think about what you have, you'll realize what you really have. There's more than what you think. 
when you're focusing on what you have. When you focus on um, what you do have or what you do know, then the light of what you do know will bring more light. And when you focus on what you can do, then you'll be able to do more. And that's the same thing we tell our kids, right? You can do this. Like, and we break it down in little jobs when they're little, right? When they walk into their room and it looked like Hiroshima went off, right? It's like, what happened? Like it was one day. And we come in, we don't say do it all because that's just too daunting for a little seven-year-old brain, right? Pick up all the stuffed animals. Start there, right? Okay, I can do that, right? There's 45,000 of them, but I can do it, right? So pick them all up and shove them into this one bag, right? And then, okay, we're done with that. Now let's get the clothes, right? And make sure, okay, did you smell that? Is it clean or is it dirty? Like, I don't know. And mama would testify to this. that Everything goes into the laundry. It's just irritating for her. Like, I just folded this. You haven't even worn it. But we tell them in small batches, right? Just, just shrink it down, shrink it down. I see moms looking at their teenagers like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's clean. Don't put that in there. Um, it, shrink it down into small batches and stay with what you know and do these, do these tasks as the Lord gives you. And I'm telling you, you'll end up in a place you never even dreamed when you just stay with what you know and stay on track. Amen? Amen. It's important. So <clears throat> one of the things I want us to understand this morning is that we have to build our house on, a, on the solid rock foundation. Super critical, right? You've heard that scripture. We're going to see it. It's in Matthew. You've heard that scripture, but I want to I look at it with a different perspective this morning because I think it's going to help us uh, understanding what really means to be on the rock. Amen? So turn with me to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. As Christians, it's crazy for us to try to use our faith and believe that the weather is not going to come, right? The rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? And the difference between somebody that is, has a foundation built on the rock is when the weather comes and goes, and it always goes, right? It never comes to stay. When it goes, that your house is still there, amen? It's still there. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, now that's the body of work Jesus was talking about. These sayings are what he is teaching, the truth of God's word. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Now, if you haven't underlined that in your Bible, you need to underline that, and does them. Super important. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. Now, we understand that Jesus is our rock, right? He's the, he's the cornerstone, right? And, and Jesus also called Peter the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church, right? But this rock that Jesus is talking about is neither Jesus nor Peter. He's talking about a system, a foundation of going down to the bedrock and putting something on solid ground. And Jesus is our rock. He's in our life, right? And we need to build our lives on the word and on Christ. But in this passage, he is saying that you are actually building your house on the rock when you hear these sayings of the Lord and do them, right? Because there's a lot of hearers. There's a lot of hearers. And he's given us an example of what it looks like. He's given us an example of what it looks like. Matthew, okay, so here we go. Verse 25. Well, let's go back. I will liken him. Who will he liken? Those, pers- those people... Men and women that will hear these things and do them, he will liken them to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat on that house 
and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Did the winds come? Did the rains fall? Did, the, did it flood? Right? This is the guy that heard the word and did it. Right? But the rains came and the floods came and the wind beat. Right? But what happened? It didn't fall. It didn't fall because he dug down to the rock. To the rock. A friend of mine built a house in Five Mile. And there's a ton of sand in Five Mile. And there's rock there, but there's a ton of sand on that bluff, that prairie up top. And of course, you know, when you build a million dollar house, you want the view, right? You're going to buy the lot with the view. So he's at the end of a cul-de-sac with a view. But I'm telling you, this lot is ugly. I mean, you, if you tripped, you would stop at the bottom down by the grocery store. That's, I mean, it's steep and brutal and sand. But not to be deterred, right? We're, gonna, we're just going to bring in dirt and put up a retaining wall and we'll have this all engineered, right? You know where this is going already, don't you? So we brought in dirt and filled this thing up, compacted it, had it all engineered. Everybody said, this is great. Built this monstrosity of a house, put a gigantic swimming pool in the back, right next to the retaining wall. And within a year, the pool is sliding and the house is sliding. And it's because they did not dig down to the rock, right? And great was its fall. I mean, it was, a total, it was a total wash. The insurance company wrote the whole thing off. Gone. But it, it, it's a great illustration of seeing, it doesn't matter, because listen to me, the house right next to it that was just turned a little bit in on flat ground, totally fine. And you know what? They looked really pretty, right? Before the rains came and before the wind blew, they looked Whoa, yeah, those are nice. Oh, we could buy either one. They're beautiful. Yeah, write a check, right? Yeah. But when the winds came and when the ground settled, we found out who was on the rock and who wasn't, right? But they looked the same on the outside. See, weather is weather, right? And when it's sunny and when the wind's calm and when the birds are chirping, man, you can look good, Right? pretty and decked up and dolled up. It's easy to be excited about provision of God when your bank account's full and all your bills are paid, right? It's easy to believe God when you're healthy for healing. Like, thank you, Lord, that I'm healthy and healed, right? It's easy. But when the wind comes and you get tested because the wind comes to us all, the rain comes, you're going to be tested. Jesus said, we're going to be tested. We're Christians. We're not exempt, but we can dig the ditch, the foundation that goes down to the rock. So when the wind blows, the building stands. Isn't that amazing? Because it's he who hears the word and does it. Just hearing it doesn't do it. We've got to be doers of the word. Come on, somebody say that. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. Man, that's important. It's important. Amen. Do you have that picture? He's got a picture for me. A little visual. But man, now what stands out about that to me is that guy had a whole bunch of neighbors when the wind started blowing. Yes, but that house was built right. And you can tell it's got some concrete on it. They went down and they went big and they went bad, right? Look at that. That tells a story, doesn't it? 
There's another one too. Hurricane uh, Irma, I think. Is that second one? Did that second one make it? It was kind of a uh, different file. And I'm telling you, I look around that and I'm thinking, man, what was going on with the neighbors? But you know what that story tells me? Is that when those people come back to, to collect whatever's left, who are they going to see standing? See, this is a picture for me in our lives. Who is the world going to see standing when the storm's blowing and the wind's blowing? Because if we're in shambles like they are, then we're just another neighbor. But if they come back and they see that you are full of life, full of God, planted on the rock, like what is different? Why aren't you wrecked? I'm, I'm built on the rock. This doesn't shake me. This world's temporary. This is just a temporary home. I'm heading home soon. But while we're here, we're built on the rock. Why? Because we're doers of the word. We don't just hear Jesus. See, it's easy to say Jesus is my Lord, but that's a big statement. Do you know what the word Lord is? When you call someone Lord, that means you are doing what they tell you to do. They're your master. True? Jesus has to be our master. See, he's our savior. We know that going to heaven. He wants to be your savior and your Lord. So that when you see something that he tells you to do, you do it. Because there's general, there's general descriptions of what we're supposed to do in the word that's for every believer. But then we have to have a relationship with him for direction for our lives, right? Because he doesn't tell James where to live, right? He doesn't tell Linda where to live or how to run a business or Scott. We have to hear that from the Lord for ourselves. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because the word tells me how to live a life that's in line with his word, right? As my Lord and Savior. But then individually, he's going to give you direction. And I'm telling you, you will give account for those words. When, he, when you, we stand before him, it's not a salvation issue. We're born again. But when we stand before him, he's going to say, did you do what I told you to do? And what ain't going to fly is, well, my wife, Lord, who you gave me. That, that ain't going to fly. He's your Lord or he's not. Plain and simple. Kids, young adults, teenagers, college kids, married couples, he's your Lord or he's not. The wind blows on us all, amen? In good weather, all houses look okay. They, they're, they're built the same, they look similar, right? They're sturdy. By the way, don't ever use the word sturdy to describe a woman, especially your wife. That is not a good descriptor, ever, ever. That's a terrible one. Don't ever use that. They both look the same, but under the surface, their foundation is critical. You notice you can't, you can see just a little area of foundation on a house, you know, sometimes around the house. You got, that's my foundation. Actually, that's your foundation wall. What it sits on below that is called a footing. Now, the old houses in the 1900s, they just built walls. They just built them thick and walls, and it, it mostly did the trick. If you've ever seen a 1904 foundation or tried to buy a house with a 1904 foundation, the appraiser goes, um, this might be a problem because it's stone and mortar and, right? But the, the footing on the bottom is the wide pad. It's the thing that, that spreads out and spreads that load so it won't sink in, right? But it's under the surface. You don't see that work when the house is done. It's already been done and covered, and you're just believing that it's there. So when we're working on ourselves and we're laying that foundation on the rock, most people are not going to see the work you did to get there. You're not going to get a medal or an award or a participation trophy for that, Right? You're just going to have to know you did what God said to do, and it's there, and you can stand on it. Amen? 
But it's going to take a little work because I'm telling you, it's not easy all the time to do what God said. When we call him Lord, we've got to do what God said. Guess what he said in his word? Don't worry. Not when it's convenient. Jesus, you're my Lord, but I'm worried about this. He said, don't worry. There's no caveat in that. Don't worry. He said, forgive. (laughs) Oh, man. Forgive. That's a tough one, right? That rascal brother-in-law you got. Forgive? Really? He said, forgive. He who hears these things of mine and does them has built his house on a foundation of rock. (laughs) Love one another as I have loved you. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, man. Getting together is important. Christians feeding with other Christians, right? Encouraging one another. He said it. He said it. Tithing. Uh Uh-oh. He said it. He talked about giving. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and God's what is God's. If he can't get your money, if you can't let that little bit go to him, he doesn't have your heart because where the treasure is, the heart will be also. This is God's plan, not mine. I'm not trying to get anything from you. You have to understand that. Tithing is God's plan. If I don't teach it, then I am not teaching the counsel of God. And I have to give account for that. And I want to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I taught him everything you asked me to teach him, right? Tithing. He said to give. Be givers. Be generous. He said to pray in the spirit and pray with the understanding. Prayer. Prayer is huge. I would venture to say most of us are not doing enough of it. Man, I had a good week of prayer this week. It was good. And I still can see areas where I could have done it more. It's so easy to get distracted. Have you noticed? <laughs> Just let, let your attention slip. But man, that's praying in the spirit, man. That'll help you. Give attention to my words, he said. Keep them before your eyes. That means we get into this book, right? I'm not pointing at my computer. I'm pointing at my Bible. We get into this book, right? right? And we study and we show ourselves approved because this word is going to help you do what God has asked you to do. It's an empowerment, divine, supernatural empowerment to do what he asked you to do so that you can dig the foundation to the rock so that your house looks like that one when the winds blow. Man, that's what we need, amen? The world's looking for the people that stand up during the storms. Because when everybody else is around you going crazy, right? Who do you turn to? You look to the people that are like, listen, it's going to be okay. I'm confident in who my maker is, right? They, the world does not see God. We see him by faith, right? But they see human beings that have God living in them. We have to be the example. We have to show them this is what it looks like to serve God with all your heart. It's us, right? So, and if we don't think about it once in a while, man, it's really hard to do it. Got to think about it. Luke 6 tells this story too. He says, Luke 6 and 46, he says this, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Why do you call me Lord and you don't do the things that I say? Right? How long would that last with the boss? Hey, boss, I'm not your boss. You haven't been to work in two weeks, right? Right? (laughs) You've been fired, right? When you call him Lord, that's serious. That's why he's saying, why do you call me Lord and you're not doing anything I'm asking you to do? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood rose and the stream beat vehemently, that's a lot, against that house, and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. 
But look at this. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and, he, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of it was great. Great. Did both build a house? One did it the right way. One just had a house on stilts. I think we gotta, we got to self-evaluate at times in our lives where we have had our foundation on the rock and times when we have not. And we get in trouble as Christians when things don't turn out like we thought they should. And we say, now God, <laughs> why, why are you doing this? Right? Those why questions we've talked about, be careful with those why questions because God is not the author of destruction or killing or stealing. But the enemy, the thief, roams around looking as a roaring lion whom he may devour. He's looking for people that are not doing what God has told them to do and are building their house on the sand. Here's the good news. Even if you started building your, sand there, building your house on sand or earth, there are ways naturally and supernaturally, to begin to dig around that thing and start laying the foundation right underneath it because they do it in the natural all the time. They'll pull out an old foundation, have the house supported, lay that solid foundation in down on the rock, built right, and then they set the house right back down on it. It is possible. So don't feel like you've got to start from scratch, but God wants you to recognize that there are areas and corners of your place, your building, that is sitting on the ground. No foundation. And when the wind comes, we can lose those sections. Those things we worked hard for because we didn't do what God asked us to do. He doesn't want us to suffer loss. He wants us to increase so that we can be that house in the midst of a mess and say, God's word is true. I'm proving it right now. And I'm just like you and I built a house just like you. But the difference was is I did what God told me to do. So don't be dismayed at this. Just begin to recognize, man, there's some soft sand under some areas of my life that need to be fixed. I need to be doing what God told me to do. And I need to start today. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> if, you're, if you're a person of faith, and I believe we are, you can't even come into the kingdom without being a person of faith. But we, man, we teach faith around here, right? Because it's important that we recognize we've got to believe God. But being a faith person does not mean that you're never going to have storms and you're never going to have problems. That is a fairy tale. Faith gives us the tool to go through them and stand on the rock. So don't believe against stuff that's going to come up in circumstances. Recognize them when they come and go, here's another chance to prove God faithful, right? And just know you're going through it because you've built your foundation of who you are in Christ on the rock. So important. So important. Psalm 127, 1 and 2 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For he gives his beloved sleep. Man, if you're having a hard time sleeping, that's for you. And Proverbs 3.24 says he gives his beloved sweet sleep. Get those scriptures out. He gives his beloved sweet sleep. He doesn't want you up worrying. He doesn't want you up worrying and eating the bread of sorrows and staying up late and getting up early and fretting. He wants you to rest and trust in him. Amen? There's something to that. Mark ten seventeen. <clears throat> Mark ten seventeen. You guys doing okay? Thank you, Lord. 
Mark 10, 17. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him. This is Jesus. Um, he was setting out on a journey, and a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Looking up at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack. One thing. That's pretty good. One thing. I'd like him to tell me that. One thing you lack. Go... And sell all you possess and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But these words, he was saddened by these words. He was saddened. And he went away grieving for he was the one who owned much property. This is the rich young ruler. It's interesting that Jesus went right to the source. See, he knew that he had built a foundation in other areas of his life. And he knew that he knew it. Because he was coming going, I think I'm good. I'm ready to go. Sign me up. Right? He's thinking... No, he's thinking he's going to hear from the master. No, just come follow me. But Jesus pinpointed right where he was because there was one thing he wasn't willing to call Jesus Lord in was his possessions. And Jesus wasn't asking him to be poor. He was asking him to redistribute his wealth into a better system and a better kingdom. Anybody ever been to a place where you emptied the checking account because God told you to give that away to somebody? Wow, that is a hard check to write. (laughs) But I'm telling you, he's not asking you to give that away forever. Because if you sing, see you later, when it's gone, like you're never going to see it again. But God's in the sewing business, right? And when he tells you to do something like that, it's because he's trying to get you to a place. Now, I am not telling you right now that you're to go home and empty out your checking account and give it all away. God will lead you in those situations when it's time, when you're supposed to do it. Because if he has your heart, then he has your money too. Can we be real? It's true. So there's going to be a point where God pinpoints, whether whether it's your money or your relationships or your time or your talents, right, where you work. There's something in our area, in in areas of our life, where God's trying to say, okay, I need you to give this up, whatever it is, and just be willing to recognize I have not been willing to give that part of my life up. And recognize he's trying to get something to you. Because he was offering the rich young ruler a huge position. A great distributing organization. I mean, he was giving him opportunity that was just beyond what he could imagine. Because all he was trusting in, he'd done all the good stuff. He was trusting in his money. He was trusting in his stuff. And Jesus was saying, it's not going to help you. It's not going to help you. He didn't tell everybody this. You notice that when people asked? He didn't tell everybody that, but he told this guy. It was important. It was a matter of the heart. A friend of mine was um, speaking a lot uh, during, early in his, in his um, teaching and preaching career. He was teaching and preaching a lot. And <clears throat> like 20 times a week. So he's in a Bible school. He's traveling. He's doing all kinds of stuff. And he was having trouble with his voice. So, you know, a man of faith and power, right? We're going to believe God for healing. And this has got to be the devil trying to keep me from speaking the word, right? But he, in praying and seeking the Lord, he heard from the Lord that um, at night when he would go to bed, he would always sleep with the window open and a t-shirt off. Just, you know, 
be too graphic, but that's how he went to sleep, right? And the Lord was telling him, you need to close that window and you need to put a t-shirt on. And he heard that and he just, he just kind of brushed it off. Like, mm, I don't, I'm a man of faith and power, right? I, I can still sleep comfortable and still, and it was like a couple of months. And then finally he realized this is the Lord, just not me thinking it. And he closed the window and he put a t-shirt on and guess what? Problem totally went away. God knew the answer, but he wanted it to come miraculously, right? Just somehow just get zapped by the power and, you know, fall down and then it's just all done. But God gave him the answer in a very natural thing. That's going to happen to you too, right? We can't just circumvent the way God wants to do things because we have a picture of how it's supposed to look. When he tells you to do something, it's for a good reason, to help us, right? And the second he obeyed, right? It's like he put that area of his life on the rock and it withstood the test. Amen? Super important. So I think that we need to understand how important it is to be doers, not just hearers, right? We get stuck in the hearing. Yeah, that was good. I believe that. I can find that in my Bible. The question is, are you doing it? I had Bible school friends that, you know, heard from God, said, man, we know we're supposed to do this, and we're believing God to get out of debt and knock some of these hindrances out, and we're going. And God supernaturally, like, provided for them and, and gave them transportation, paid off debts, took care of all kinds of stuff, ready for them to go just like they said. And then, you know, mama wasn't feeling good, so we stuck, stuck around a little bit longer. And then, well, you know, the job, we got a promotion, so we were going to save up a little bit more. And then, Uh, A month passed, and then a year passed, and then two years passed. And I'm telling you, there's something about doing when God says do and not waiting for the weather. Because it's never going to be perfect. Ever. You got to get out and go where God told you to go when God told you to do it, regardless of the circumstances. And just say, okay, Lord, I trust you. I'm trusting you.